0: Oh, hey, it's you. Oh, my God. Thanks for coming back. In today's podcast, after many promises and many delays, I'm going to approach a subject that I kind of put off for a lot of personal reasons, which I'll get to in a moment. But before we get into the bulk of today's podcast, I just want to do a really quick announcement here. Um, As As correctly mentioned by my buddy Bear Elliott, who said that I am all over the internet, that is probably a true statement. Because stupidly, I had all of these very aggressive ideas that I wanted to do, I had my two podcasts, An Older Gay Guy Show and Beginner Diet and Fitness Podcast. I had my two YouTube channels, An Older Gay Guy Show and Healthy Aging Lifestyle Vlog. And I was still preparing two more YouTube channels to be launched this summer. And you put all of that together with the research that has to be done, with the recording and filming, with the editing, which is just an endless (laughs) thing you have to do. Um, I just realized that I was spreading myself way too thin. I do have to still train people. I do still have to associate with my husband. I do have to once in a while still have sex. So I decided that I wasn't really giving the best of me to any one thing. I was trying to spread myself out too thin. So for the remainder of the summer, between now and after Labor Day, I am going to suspend production on my Beginner Diet and Fitness podcast and on my Healthy Aging Lifestyle vlog YouTube channel. Just for the summer, I'm going to revisit them in the fall and see if they pick up. But those numbers have never been anything amazing on either of those. But regarding the gay shows, both this podcast and An Older Gay Guy Show YouTube channel, they have done much, much better. So for the remainder of the summer, I'm going to be all gay all the time. Doing An Older Gay Guy Show podcast, I'm going to be doing An Older Gay Guy Show YouTube channel, and you are going to get the concentration of my efforts and my questionable Artistic flair. That being said, let me just tell you that today's episode. As I do research for these podcasts or the YouTube channels, as I do my research, as I do my scripts, as I do my notes, usually they go pretty well. You know, it's it's a it's an easy process. I I read articles on the internet and print them out and highlight them uh, while I'm watching half watching soap operas or something during the day. And then, you know, I spend the time here to record, and when I make errors, I am editing constantly to try to make it sound as tight and as professional as possible. But as I went and tried to research this subject today, which is about breakups, I found myself really getting, I guess, depressed, although I don't think of myself as a depressed person, I think the subject matter and the things that I was looking into in order to do this subject were beginning to depress me. And so I would put it off. And then a few days later, I'd pick it up again and try to do a little bit more. And then I f- wasn't feeling mentally good. And so I'd put it off some more. And and as of today, I, I just said, shit, I'm going to just sit down and I'm going to do this damn podcast because I promised it. And I think it's an important subject to talk about. So as I went over the research and kind of tried to figure out the best way to do this two-part episode on breakups, I thought, you know, in a lot of these, I'll research the articles, I'll read some data from them, I will make a comment here or there. But I tended to leave it to the articles and the research I was doing to establish whatever facts, especially in the in the diet and fitness podcast. I wanted to do today a little bit differently because as I looked into this subject, I had to reference my own experiences, obviously. And as I looked at my past relationships and the success and or failure of them, I had to really realize my culpability in what happened in each of those relationships. You know, I'm a very introspective person, I think. And as each relationship ended, I would certainly look back at it and think, okay, what what was good? What was bad? Uh, Can I move on from this in a successful, healthy way? Can my partner move on in a successful, healthy way? And I would look at each relationship individually and determine that. However, as I was doing this podcast about breakups, I wanted to look back at all of my relationships and see if there were, in fact, common denominators through each of those breakups. And shit, (laughs) there really is. There's a lot of common denominators. And it was very hard for me to realize to what extent my own behaviors contributed to those breakups. So as I was going to do this double podcast here, this two-episode podcast, I thought that the best way to approach this was to tell you all my personal philosophy of what I have looked for in relationships, which has stayed very steady since I was a kid. And as a way of kind of having a dialogue here, I thought after I presented my personal views, I thought that I would argue with myself over why my personal view of a relationship might not be the healthiest view, and how that belief might have impacted and contributed to the breakups of these relationships. I've heard from so many friends over the years as I went through my relationships and as they broke up, The same things were being said to me. The same things were running through my mind. And therefore, I think it would be healthy for me, and more interesting for you, to listen to me argue with myself about why my belief is not the best way to have a relationship. How's that sound? Loads of fun! Oh my god, this is going to be so good. Can't wait, can't wait. Okay. So, let's get into this nightmare of a podcast. My name is Joey Hernandez, and this is Breaking Up Is Hard To Do, Part 1, the 52nd episode of An Older Gay Guy Show. So, okay, boys and girls, as we get on this amusement ride today... I'm going to play two roles as I go forward. I'm going to tell you my philosophy and my experiences in my relationships and I'm going to argue back with me and argue back in the role of a therapist and or my friends who had to unfortunately listen to me all those times that I broke up with people and I'm going to just try to show you maybe how my rigid thinking did not do me. A, a very good service as I was growing up. Now, it would be impossible for me to approach the subject of breakups of my gay relationships without mentioning my deceased parents. I try very hard not to mention them as much because I mentioned them in a lot of earlier episodes, but it was only these last few years that I have really, really realized what an impact on my life that had. Because when my father died when I was 12, you know, I was a kid. My father was working all the time. He worked three jobs. Yes, I missed my father. I didn't have a a male role model around very much. But, you know, you can live with that, I guess. And then when my mother died a few years later, she had gone through a very long illness, of which I was a caretaker for her at a very young age, when I was just a teenager, I had to learn to give her morphine shots. I had to watch her die. Um, Through her bad choices, I think, she and I would sit around and drink alcohol during the time that she was a little bit more lucid before she got more comatose as time went along. And my mother coddled me my mother overprotected me i was the baby of the family she didn't feel after my father died that i should have to do any chores or learn anything about taking care of myself because she thought the trauma of losing my father was so severe and because she was latching on to me as the only child that was still living at home with her and that did me no good whatsoever it it impacted my life in a greatly negative way after she died because I did not know how to take care of myself at all. And one of the last things that she said to me while she was still somewhat lucid, that this comment has remained in my head for the rest of my life. She said during an argument that no one would ever want to stay with me in a relationship. People would say they were in love with me But once they got to know who I really was, they would not want to be in a relationship with me, and I would die alone. Now, there's a charming thing for your mom to say to you in one of the last things that you're ever going to remember that she says. So yeah, there was some bunch of therapy going on about that comment, and to this day, when I get depressed, if I've had a few drinks... I start to hear that comment in my head over and over and over again. So I was not in a good place starting when I was a teenager and as I moved forward with my life. Now, let me take you back to my philosophy, though, that started at a very early age. And I would say around six or seven years old, I remember laying in my backyard and staring up at the sky and thinking of... The dream man that I would marry eventually. And I kind of imagine exactly what he would look like, um, exactly the way that he would act, and what our relationship would be. And one of the reasons I feel so solid in my current relationship is because if I was a kid and I was able to draw a person of what that man was going to be that I fantasized about... It's my husband. He meets every single criteria for what I was looking for. So I'm very fortunate in that respect. But when I was formulating this ideal man as a kid, I was very much into watching romantic movies, of course, about heterosexual couples, but I would insert myself into that movie and imagine being with the guy that romance was about in the movie. And romance stayed a very strong factor in my belief for what a relationship would be. Romance, and specifically, and most importantly, monogamy. Now, there's going to be some of you that, once I said that word, are going to, first of all, to quote a comedian from many years ago, that probably some of you think when I say monogamy that I'm referring to a game by Milton Bradley, and that is not correct. That would be monopoly. Monogamy, <laughs> you all know what it is, but of course some of you are going to kind of roll your eyes at the thought of me saying romance and monogamy in the same Context as talking about gay relationships, because the two tend to not, for the most part, go hand in hand. Although I always wished and hoped and prayed and pursued my relationships as if that was a possibility. And probably most importantly, not just a possibility, but a necessity in order for me to have a relationship. It had to be romantic, and it had to be monogamous. And through my ages of 8, 9, and 10, and 11, I believed this. I started to formulate the belief of this. And then after my father died and I was in my early teens, it became more prominent. And I remember when I was first told that my mother would only have a few months left to live. I remember the panic that shot through me. Not because my mother was going to pass away, I think a part of me knew that as she was going downhill, but this looming darkness that I was going to be on my own, I did not know how to take care of myself, and I desperately wanted a gay relationship, like a marriage with a man, and I became obsessed with it but i knew from some experience of dating some guys as just boyfriends that it was very difficult to have a gay relationship at the time you couldn't be openly gay very easily at all uh gay bars were not something that the public knew about they were hidden gay pride parades back then were only a couple of hundred people by the time in the mid 70s that i lost my mom things were still hidden. People weren't openly gay very much at all. And in my panic of my mother dying, I thought the best thing to do was to get married to a woman. And this girl that I had kind of knew a little bit, but not very much. We were kind of pen pals. We had met at a music conference uh, one time for high school. She and I were corresponding and she lived about an hours from my house And she used to come and visit, and we began to date, and then by the time that my mother was passing away, I actually told her that I was going to marry this girl. I did that partly because I wanted my mother to feel like she didn't have to worry about me anymore, that it was okay for her to die because I was going to be taken care of. And at the same time, it also gave me some hope that, okay, well, you know what? My mom never taught me to take care of myself. She's going to be dead now. Now I'm going to be married to this woman who's going to take care of me. A very unhealthy way to look at things, but when you're a teenager and you just are panicked and you don't know what to do, that's kind of the the default that I went to. So she and I were engaged for about a year and a half or so, and uh, we ended up eventually breaking up. Um, During that relationship, I was still sleeping with men here or there when I had the opportunity. Joe, if I could just stop you for a moment as I listen about your life, if I could just make a couple of points that I want you to be aware of as you continue with your life story. Number one, I want you to realize that you were a very lonely person when you were young, and you developed a fantasy which you readily admit was a fantasy because you were young and that's often what young people do and then because your mom didn't try to get you to take care of yourself didn't get you to try to mature you stayed with that childlike fantasy and then once your mother has passed now you've latched on to a woman thinking that that was going to be the savior for you and when that didn't work out, your frame of reference is, of course, that fantasy that you had. Now, please continue with your story. So, after that relationship broke up with that woman, that is when I became hell bent on getting married to a guy. Even though, you know, of course, marriage wasn't legal back then. This was now around 1980. I'm talking about, but. The concept of having a spiritual marriage, a commitment, a monogamous life with a man became a huge quest in my life. And all during my 20s, I was drinking, I was hooking up with people, I was trying to get into relationships with people. I was I was pretty desperate during that time to do that. And I remember back through my 20s, from what I can remember, I do remember that when a relationship would break up, for whatever reason, within a few days I would be going out to gay bars again, and drinking, and hooking up with guys, and trying to get into a relationship as quickly as possible. In fact, I often tried to turn hookups into dating into relationships at a very fast pace. Now, I want to pause in my personal story, and I want to come back to it next episode, which will be part two of Breaking Up is Hard to Do. But I want to talk a little bit about an article that I did some research with. It's an article from psychologytoday.com. It is posted from September 7th of 2014. It is written by a psychologist, a gay psychologist, although it does not give an author note. So I'll just say that it is from psychologytoday.com. And I want to just give you a few facts from this. It, the article begins with, there must be some truth to the old joke, what does a gay man bring on a second date? Response, what second date? Oh, Lord, how true that statement is. It reminds me of when my friend Matt used to say to me after I'd go out on a date with someone, and then he and I would have drinks at a bar the next night or something, and I'd say, yeah, I I saw him, you know, we went out on a date, but uh, it's not going to work out. I'm not going to see him again. And he used to say, oh, let me guess, Uh, what was wrong? His eyebrow was shaped incorrectly? Uh, He wore the wrong gold necklace around his neck. In other words, I came up with a million reasons why I could not continue to date somebody. And I think we all do that. I think we've all had that happen, where we just come up with excuses of why we don't want to try, why we won't give someone a second chance. And the article continues with its introduction, As an openly gay man with over 30 years of experience as a therapist, I have seen scores of single gay men sabotage their efforts to find a partner, placing obstacles in their own path without having the slightest idea as to what they are doing and why. Fortunately, I have also learned how to identify and name these self-defeating and often hidden hurdles, and I have discovered that they are beliefs that too many gay men repeat to themselves, often without even knowing it they are as follows. First one that he indicates is, the real truth is, I am unlovable. In my experience, this internalized belief is the poison that prevents some gay men from building a healthy relationship, and also why many mess up the ones that they already have. There's a reason for this. Few of us grow up unscathed by family peers, and society hostile to our attractions and behaviors. This toxic, internalized belief is further ingrained if we've been treated harshly or abandoned by our fathers, the first men in our lives to teach us about our value in the eyes of other males. Later in the article, it says, It is impossible to meet the right guy. For sure, so many of the gay male world is way too focused on looks, youth, the gym, partying, and fast hookups, so searching for Mr. Right is like looking for a needle in a gay stack. However, feeling subconsciously unlovable or unworthy can again rear its head here through your choices. That muscled, tattooed bad boy is hotter than hell, and great in bed. But is he showing any sign that he's ready to settle down? You seek a man who wants a monogamous relationship, but do you really think you'll find him on manhunt, grinder, or scruff? Trust me, these prowling tigers do not change their stripes once they are hitched. Perhaps if you have a bit of a fetish for the strong, silent type—and they always seem to ooze masculinity, don't they? But if you need sharing, communication, and emotional reassurance, you may find that the mysterious brooder is actually an unresponsive, cold fish after a few months. Is he really the one for you? Or how about the guy who gives you the chase, sending hopelessly mixed signals that are impossible to understand? such as ignoring you for periods of time, alternating with romantic texting, it leaves you wondering, does he or doesn't he? Is this the dead end? Answer is, yes, honey, it is. And a final observation the author makes is, should I be in a relationship, and how important this may be to you. Unfortunately, along with legal marriage comes the risk of inheriting straight society's couple-centrism, which is the idea that being single is wrong, sad, and a sign of psychological problems that need to be fixed. This is just plain wrong. Not everyone needs to be in a couple, nor should they be. Many single gay men are happy, valuing their autonomy and personal freedom, like the muscled bad boy described above. The article concludes with, So how do we figure out what's getting in the way, and how do we fix it? And he gives three possibilities. Know thyself. For sure, a first step is to recognize your patterns. Does anything you have read thus far seem familiar? Even a little bit? Take the time to reflect on your behavior and how you might be getting in your own way. Number two, Love thyself. Many people just keep making the same mistakes without taking the time to pause, breathe, and figure out what's really happening. Do this in a loving way, giving yourself the messages of compassion, patience, and acceptance. No beating yourself up. And lastly, therapy. I'm not one of those therapists who think everyone needs psychotherapy. Many can figure out their behavioral patterns on their own and then proceed to change them. However, a good therapist can help you understand how wounds from the past long believed to be dead and buried can reemerge like zombies when you are least expecting them. He or she can do this by helping you 1. Identify how you're getting in your own way 2. Figure out why you are doing this Three, help you find ways to love yourself better and thus free you up to find men who are in turn healthy and good husband material. And four, live happily single as you were meant to be. Now, I find this article very interesting and very much on point. A lot of the things when we're growing up, we don't realize how they kind of lodge themselves in the back of your brain and affect your behavior for years to come. Things that were said, in the case of my mother saying, no one will ever stay with you, that's always in my head when a relationship starts to turn sour. I personally believe that pretty much everybody in this world could do themselves a lot of good by having a little bit of therapy at some point in their lives, just to run by their personal beliefs and see if any of that is sabotaging their life, whether it be in relationships, whether it be with your family, whether it be issues or fears in your professional life. There are many reasons why therapy can often just be a good sounding board, and the therapist can just maybe help point you in the right directions for some self-exploration. In part two of Breaking Up is Hard to Do, I want to finish telling you about my relationships, but specifically about how my marriage relationship is very different from what my previous relationships were. In many ways, in the course of the five years that I've been with my husband Paco, I have evolved my way of thinking about relationships, and I think that I have come to some conclusions about myself and possibly about gay men in general, that I think will help me sustain the relationship that I am in for years to come. And additionally, in part two, I want to talk about an article that is called Top 7 Common Relationship Mistakes Gay Men Make, and see how that fits into the equation. I would like your input, however, prior to part two There's some of you that I regularly talk to. I would love to encourage you to let me know about what your thinking is regarding gay relationships, where the problems are, what problems you might personally have had regarding sustaining a gay relationship, or dating, or breaking up with someone. Tell me some of your experiences. I would like to actually use that in a third part of course, I would do it anonymously. I would not let anyone know who you were. But if you have a story to tell me, please send it to an older gay guy show at gmail.com. If you send me your story, I might use a part of it in a third part on breaking up that I think I'm going to add to the mix. Meanwhile, if you have enjoyed listening to me, because it's such a peppy, happy topic. But if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please consider giving me a five-star rating on iTunes. And now that I have settled down to just an Older Gay Guy Show podcast and YouTube channel, please show me some love and go over to youtube.com and go to An Older Gay Guy Show and subscribe and like that. There's a few videos on there. I'm going to be doing another one tomorrow that will be out for the weekend. I think you're going to enjoy the summer with those videos. Meanwhile, this is Joey Hernandez. I will talk to you next week for breaking up is hard to do part two. Stay well.